We're going to pray today. Father, I thank you for the leadership that we have here at HMM. Thank you for our chancellor. Thank you for all that he does for every young adult in America who has a passion to reach the world for Jesus. Father, we bless George today. We bless his family. We bless his body. We bless his spirit. We bless his staff. We bless everything that is under his direct command. I speak, Lord God, that even from this day forward, you would begin to draw the people, strategic people to him. Place them in his inner circle to accelerate what you're doing in his life. Knowing that the time is short, knowing that the need is great, Use men and women. Send them to him. Send him leaders. Send him leaders. Gifted, anointed, appointed men and women, Lord, that will accelerate the mission and vision that you placed in his life. It is not by coincidence that you placed him in this region at this time, in this part of history. You are doing a great work through him. And I thank you for the honor and privilege to speak to the sons and daughters of this house. May my words not fall on dead soil. May they fall upon hearts that are alive. For people did not come to hear the words of a man. They came to hear from you. So Holy Spirit, speak intuitively and powerfully in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. Come on, give them a shout of glory. You may be seated today. I want to thank you again, George, for giving me the privilege and the honor to come and speak. I, I'm really humbled to be able to be here and speak to you. I hope that what I say in these next two days will challenge you, change you, revive you, restore you, accelerate you. Peter said in John chapter 3, in Acts chapter 3, to the man who was blind and who was a beggar, he said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. So I come to you today, silver and gold I may not have, but what I will give you, I will give it to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe this, that there is, if ever there has been a time for churches to be planted, it's now. If there is ever a time where there is a need for men and women to abandon themselves to the call of God in their life, it's now. Never before the history of the world have people been more open to the gospel of Jesus Christ than now. There's more hurt in the world, more pain in the world, more suffering in the world, more need in the world today than ever before. And so the fact that you are here today is not a coincidence. Out of the millions of 20-something-year-olds in the world, you could have found yourself on some secular campus listening to some professor tell you why you should rethink who God is. You could have been in some corporate 
building, working for some CEO, giving your life away for a paycheck. You could have been anywhere. You could have been with your friends in the hood doing no good. But look where you are. Out of all your friends in your neighborhood, out of all the people that you grew up with, my question is, why are you here? What is it about your life that God has captured? What is it about your life that God has taken such an interest that by His grace, He's graced you with the privilege to be here? Lest somehow you think you're here because of human choice, lest you think you're here because of a parental choice or because of a societal choice, you're not here because you have nothing better to do with your life. You are here because God has something better to do with your life. And, and I, today what I'm going to begin, I'm going to start a conversation with you. And my trust that in these next two days, my conversation will be complete. But I hope that as I start this conversation, that you will continue it amongst yourselves. And I want to ask you to turn your Bible with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 22. Today I'm going to start a conversation that will probably take me two days. That I want to talk to you about the subject, when you're targeted to be next. When you are targeted to be next. It is obvious that you are next. You may not be the now, but you are definitely next. I'm here because I am now. But I've come to tell you, you are next. So we need to have speakers come in who are doing things for God now. Building churches now. Raising leaders now. But I've come to tell you that you are the ones who are next in line to raise the greater churches, the greater youth ministries. And if you and I will be open to this conversation, I believe God will speak to you intuitively and powerfully. You will not waste your time in these next two days. I do ask you to take copious notes. I want you to write. I want you to write the things down that I ask you to write down. But I also want you to write the things down that the Holy Spirit will have you write down. And those that are watching us on the other campuses as well, can you give them a round of applause? Come on, give them a round of applause. Because I really believe God is speaking across America through the School of Urban Missions. And today I want to read a portion of scripture with you and then we'll get started. Matthew chapter 22 verse 14, the Bible says, very short verse, for many are called, but few are chosen. Would you read that with me? Ready, set, go. For many are called, but few are chosen. The fact that you've been called is evident. Because you're here. If you were not called, you would not be here. Regardless of what campus you find yourself at this morning, this evening, the fact is that you have been called, and that is apparent. Had you not been called, you would not be hearing me. You would not focus your life. You would not have the concentration that you have. You have what you have because you have been called. But the Bible says there are many who are called, but only few are chosen. So I've come to say, just because you're called doesn't mean you're chosen. 
There are a lot of people in the Bible that were called. But it doesn't mean they were chosen. Because here Jesus is making the difference. He is making the difference between those that have been chosen and those that have been called. Because you can have a call, but it doesn't mean you'll be chosen. So in my conversation with you, I want to talk to you about being chosen. About being targeted to be next. Tell the person next to you, I'm next. And I'm going to study the life of a person that I believe every leader needs to study. For the next two days, we are going to do an inductive study of the life of David. I'm going to walk you step by step through his journey. The reason why is, as you go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, is because out of all the biblical characters, and of all the biblical leaders, I really have found an affinity with David for many reasons. But I want to share with you what it means to be next. When God targets you to be next. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse, well, start in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, who was the current prophet, How long will you mourn for Saul, who was the present king? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. I have provided myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say... I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one. Say the one. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said. Went to Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled at us, coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I come to sacrifice to the Lord. He said, Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance. Or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see man as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him best before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass. Before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. I've come to tell you, many were called, but none of these were chosen. Many of these were called. They were all called to the dinner. They were all called to the sacrifice. They were all called to meet the prophet. But none of them were chosen. Keep reading with me. Verse 11. Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? He said, there yet remains the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. 
Samuel said to Jesse, Send, bring him here, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he went and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with brown eyes and good looking. The Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Tell the person next to you, I'm the one. I'm the one. Tell him, I'm the one. Tell him, I'm the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Today I want to talk to you about when you know you've been targeted to be next. Because I really believe this, that you can be called, but it doesn't mean you'll be chosen. Let me exegete this verse for you a little bit. The Bible says that the prophet was afraid to go to the house of Jesse because he had a relationship with the king. And he knew that if the king would have found out that he was going to go anoint someone in his place, the king would have killed him. So the prophet says to God, I can't do this. And God says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to make it look like you're going to go do the sacrifice but what you're really going to go do is find me a king. What do you do with a God who loves to break the rules? What do you do when God breaks the rules to find you? I've come to tell you God broke the rules when he found you. And if you don't get that revelation, you will not step into your divine destiny. You won't step up to the table when you've been asked to step up. You won't step up in the midst of your brothers when you're asked to step up. And you will miss the oil that was appointed for your life. I said many are called, but few are chosen. So God enters into David's life, but he does it in a unique way. The Bible says that Saul goes and he says to Jesse, I'm here to sacrifice. He says, okay. And then he says, so sanctify yourselves. So all of the sons of Jesse had to be sanctified. You cannot sit down with the prophet and have a meal if you were not purified. There was a, a, a rite of passage to sit with the man of God. You had to sacrifice. You had to purify yourself. There was preparation to sit at the table of the great. The Bible says, as they all come together, that Saul begins, excuse me, Samuel begins to look at the sons of Jesse and says, wow, for sure this one's going to play in the NFL. This one's NBA status for sure. Come on, this one's going to walk down the runway. This guy is great looking. This guy for sure will be a CEO. And God interrupts him and says, hold it, stop. You look at the outward appearance, I look at the heart. And so all of a sudden, the people that seemed to be marketed for the position, didn't get the position. Then all of a sudden, Samuel realizes, hold it. If I did everything the Lord told me to do, I brought the, um, I brought the sacrifice, I prepared all the sons, but yet God, where is the one that you've anointed? 
So he asked the question. He says, hey dad, you're missing someone because there's got to be someone else. I know I obeyed God, but where is the one that God's chosen? Do you have any more sons? And he says, oh yeah, I do. He's out there taking care of the sheep. He's dirty. His feet are dirty. He smells like sheep. He's kind of the run of the family. None of us would ever expect that he would be chosen for to, to come and sit with you. So we just decided to leave him out. We don't really need him. I mean, he's, he's, he's important. He, we love him, but he's not as important as these others. I mean, I've, I have some sons that I'm really proud of. I mean, I've got children that I really love, but him, her, they're just kind of there. I mean, see, unless you know what it is to grow up in a family where you're not the chosen one, you can't understand what I'm saying right now. But for anyone who knows what it's like to know, to know, to know that they would not be here if it were not for the grace of God. Because you know you're not your daddy's choice. You're not your mama's choice. If they were going to choose, they wouldn't have chose you. But I've come to tell you, many are called, but So again, God breaks the rules. What do you do when the one that God wants to anoint is the one that didn't go through the purifying process that the others did? So for all anointing, those of you that are understanding the Old Testament, you cannot have put oil on someone if they were not prepared. Oil was not just randomly placed on people. So God breaks all the rules. He anoints the one who just came out of the mud and the muck of sheep stuff. Because the one that God chose wasn't the clean one, it was the dirty one. Come on. Come on. See, I don't come from a background of preachers. I come from a very poor, humble home. I am the youngest of six. Should have been seven, but one of my brothers died. So, I'm the youngest of a family that migrated from Mexico. My dad migrated on this program that America was allowing people to come over here and work and work their fields, and as a result, they'll get their visa. So I am the son of an immigrant father. I grew up speaking el español. Yo no sé si ustedes hablan español aquí. Yo no sé si hay latinos en esta casa. Bueno, no sé. So here is the point. I grew up in the hood. When I was an eight, when I was 12 years old, I was the only kid skateboarding in my city. I was the number one skater at 12 years old in my city. I was sponsored by two teens, and my brothers used to take me to 64 Impala to the skate park. Y'all don't know about 64 Impala. <laughs> Lifted all the way around side to side. Y'all don't know about that. But I'm in eighth grade, pick up on this, so I, I have to choose either I'm going to skateboard or I'm going to join the game because all my brothers started a game.
that all the younger brothers of their friends were all in it, but I was the only one that wasn't in it. So I'd go to school dressed like a cholo, then after school, I'd go get my skateboard gear and go skateboarding. It's called an identity crisis. It's really called peer pressure. Now they call it bullying. Then you just call it get your butt kicked. I don't know. It was just different then. I mean, it was just... Now there's a term that we call bully. And they don't know bully then. This is like, bang, it's on. So, so I decided to join the gang. I got stabbed in my back, gang fighting when I was in eighth grade, almost paralyzed. I was smoking hash, PCP by the time I was 14. My best friend was living in a foster home. Their parents were cocaine dealers. So we were doing eight balls of coke by the time we were 14 for free. We didn't start paying for cocaine until we were older. So by the time I was 15 years old, I was already tired. My parents made me stay home on the weekends. They wouldn't let me go out. I come from a great Catholic family. I had great parents. I was just a bad son. And so one day I was listening to a radio station, UCSB radio station. This DJ was on. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I tell you that God has come to choose the dirty. And one day I was listening to this guy on the radio station. I said, that's what I want to do. And they made an announcement that UCSB was opening up their campus to anyone who wanted to get an FCC radio license. So I show up to get my FCC radio license at 15 years old. That's my way out of the game. Because it was bad. Friends were dying. Kids were ended up in YA. It was just horrible. Do you know what that's like? You just know that's there's just the perpetual drama of growing up in the hood. No one's doing good. Parents are divorcing. All my friends' parents are divorcing. Guys in prison. No one's graduating from high school. No one cares about school. So I'm 15. I'm starting to DJ. I get my radio license. I become the number one disc jockey in my city at 17. I bring in Grandmaster Flash, Zap, and you don't know about these groups. Gap, Roger, y'all don't know about those groups. Don't want to act like you do. That is real old school. I'm making about $3,000 a month and I'm 17 years old. I'm about to sign a seven-year record contract. I'm on a hip-hop radio station called KMYX, KMX 106. One day, I'm passing out flyers for a dance that I'm doing, and I see a track on the ground about Jesus. <laughs> what you don't know is two weeks before, I partied three nights straight on coke. And I had a vision. God showed me my life. I thought I was going to die. And he spoke to me. He said, if you sign that seven-year contract, it was a fork in the road. It was two dirt paths. And there were two wood signs. This is the only time I've ever heard the audible voice of God in my life. And God said to me in this dream, if you sign that seven-year record contract, you'll go down that path and you'll have worldly success. And you will miss the purpose of your life. And he showed me another dirt road. And it said a sign. It said ministry. It says you need to choose. 
So when I was passing out flyers for that dance and I saw that track on the ground, two weeks after, you know, I picked it up. And there was a small church plant that was starting, like 45 people when I went to it. They were meeting in the community center that I used to do dances. And so I thought, this is great. I'm going to go to a place where I did dances. So I put it on my calendar. And I hope this does, I hope my story doesn't bore you. But i got to tell you this, because I believe in the God that chooses the dirty. I believe in the God who chooses to reach people, to touch people, and he breaks the rules to get them, to find them. So God broke the rules with me. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. I know today, you know, for the past three years, we've been one of the fastest growing churches in America. That's all wonderful. I have a book. I went on a 52-city tour last year. We are the largest Latino-led church in the history of San Diego. The largest spirit-filled church in the history of San Diego. Now listen, I'm just a boy from the hood that was trying to do good. I didn't know all this was going to happen. But I'm saying this to you because when you're targeted to be next, you need to know that you're next. Because when you're next, it's because God is taking you serious. I pick up, pick up this flyer. I go to this dance, okay? I mean, not to this dance, to this church service on a Wednesday night. But I do two things before I go to this church service. Number one, I do a half a gram of cocaine. Because not everyone that goes to church grows up in a Christian family with Christian parents. I tell you, God broke the rules with me. And then on the way to church, I pray a prayer. I say, God, if you could change my life, I'll give it to you. Because I don't like what I've become. I go to this church service. Preacher's in the back. Preacher's in the front. I'm in the back. I raise my hand to get saved. I come to forward. I don't know how I raised up my hand, but I just raised up my hand. Because he was preaching and he said, he was looking like I'm looking at the camera. He says, if you that are hearing me today, you want to change your life. You want to be free from your addictions. You want change to be broken in your life. Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day to give you the power to be set free from every known bondage. And if that's what you want, you want the forgiveness of sins, the deliverance from drugs, lift up your hand and God will set you free. I just... And I wouldn't put my hand down. I walked out from the back of the room to the front. And I would not put my hand down. I said, God, I am so serious. I, I, I want you to know I am serious about this. And then I walked up to the front of the stage. And the preacher, the preacher was like, you can put your hand down. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because he, see, he didn't understand. I knew when I raised my hand what I was doing. Some people get saved, they don't know what they're doing. When I got saved, I knew I was about to turn my back on the devil, turn my back on that seven-year record contract, and I was about to commit relational suicide. I was the number one DJ in my city. And I knew by getting saved, it was over. And I wouldn't put my hand down. I was, tears were coming down my eyes. All I wanted to be was free. I didn't want to do any more drugs. I, I, my friends were dying left and right next to me in the hood. I said, God, I want to be free. So I get saved. And that night, I got to go do my radio show. Every night, I'm on the radio. So right after church, I go to the radio station. And during that time, we were promoting the new record by Prince, a song called When Doves Cry. You don't know that song. Y'all don't know that song. Delilah, you don't know that song. You messing with me. 
Y'all don't know that song. So I get on the microphone like this, okay? I turn on the mic, and look what comes out of me. Here is Pastor Prince singing about the 666, his song, When Doves Cry. I back off the mic. The manager calls me right away. Says, what's wrong with you? Says, we're going to talk tomorrow. All this is in my book, The Heart Revolution. Because when God changed me, God did a literal heart revolution. Because God doesn't see the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So the very next day, I meet with him and he says to me, what's wrong with you? Why did you say that? I told him. I said, I became a Christian last night. I can't do this anymore. I'm not supposed to do this. He says, oh, you're just going through a phase. I know many people that have gone through that. He says, I know what you want. You want more money. He says, I'm going to have Wolfman Jack do your commercials for you. You'll get a greater percentage of the commercials. Because in radio, that's what it's all about. It's all about getting a percentage of the commercials. And it's all about getting the big names to back you on your show. And I said, no, I don't want that. I said, from this day on, I'm going to serve Jesus. So when we sing about I'm giving it all away. See, see, I'm sitting in the front row. And you're singing I'm giving it all all away your way. All I could think about is that seven-year contract. Those thousands of dollars. I ended up selling my disc jockey company to that agent. And I ended up going on a Christian radio station. Everyone in the city thought I did so many drugs that I lost it. And I had to go to rehab. (laughs) Let me tell you why. Because two weeks after I got saved, I'm telling you, God will break the rules for you. If you know that you've been chosen. Many are called. Finish it for me. But... Two weeks after I get saved, my friend is having a big dance in the city. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And he says, you need to burn the bridge with all of your past. So I take this record by the Latinos called, What Are You Gonna Do When the Party's Over? Y'all don't know that song. I don't even know if you can Google that song. I don't even know if you can. I mean, I don't even know if you can get it on YouTube. I'm not sure. I show up to this dance and I tell him, okay, I'm going to be your guest DJ. My goodness, he announces it. Sergio Delamore is going to be guest DJ. And so this place is jammed. The place is, it is packed. I'm outside with a stack of flyers and I'm passing out flyers. And everyone's like, oh, Serge, is this the next dance? I said, yeah, come to church with me. Because I'm passing out tracks for Jesus. Two weeks after I got saved, I committed relational suicide. I burnt the bridge that could have taken me back. I burnt the bridge back to the past, back to her, back to them, back to it. I burnt the bridge. I go into that dance. I put on, they're they're, they're playing this song called, Take a Chance. Y'all don't know that song. So I get up on the turntables on the 1200. Everybody stops, looks up. And I planned this all in my mind. So everyone is stopping on the dance floor. They're looking at me. No, you guys listen to me. When we're singing that song, I'm giving it all away. So y'all don't know, unless you've given something up, you can't sing that song correctly. You can't even sing that song 
If you're still struggling, wondering if you're going to serve Jesus, you can't sing that song. If you're still wondering, am I going to go back to drugs? Am I going to go back to my old boyfriend? Am I going to go back to my old girlfriend? Am I going to go back to my... You can't even sing that song until you know you've given it all away. Come on. Somebody clap because there's a preacher. I said, many are called, but... chosen my friend everyone stops at this dance and they look at me I get on the mic and these are the exact words I said I could see myself right now I said that used to be the old Sergio but I gave my life to God because when you're in high school cheese which is another word for gossip travels fast so I set the record straight at 17 years old. I mean, I go psycho for Jesus. I turn on that mic and I say, that used to be the old me, but this is the new me. And I play that song by the Latinos. What are you going to do when the party's over? After that day, I never went back to a dance. After the offers I still received, I said, no, I have made a clean break. And I'm going for Jesus. Now watch this. That happened because I discovered the God who breaks the rules. The God who was willing to say, you don't look like the prototypical pastor. But I'm about to do a, a prototypical church in a city that no one thinking could be done. By a person that no one think they could get the job done. I'm about to raise up a church that in the future will be one of the fastest growing churches in America. But I can't find the guy that I want in the typical place. So I'm going to break the rules and get out of the box and find me a good, foul sinner that I could turn around and start a revolution through. I'm not sure what they have said about you. I'm not sure what they are saying about you. I'm not sure what they want to say about you. But I've come to tell you what God says about you. God says, many are called, few are chosen. You've been chosen. You are next. The world needs you. Your neighborhood needs you. This generation needs you. And I need someone to say, I'm next. Say, I'm next. Because when you know you're next, you're not worried about what they say. You're not worried about what they're doing. You're not worried about what they're thinking. Because you know, he didn't just choose me, he called me. He didn't just ask for me, he anointed me. He... And he did it, the Bible says, he brought him in the midst of his brothers. Let me talk to you about when you are next, Come on. about the importance of knowing who you are in the midst of your brothers. Because up until now, his brothers didn't see him the way God saw him. And if you're not careful, you'll listen to people in your circle who see you in a way that is not consistent with how God sees you. 
One of the greatest struggles you will have when you start a church. One of the greatest struggles you will have when you lead a youth ministry. One of the greatest struggles you will have when you all want to become a Bible teacher. Is that you will struggle with people that refuse to see you the way God sees you. The number one reason why great, gifted men and women of God destined for great things give up isn't because they lack the ability. Isn't because they lack the passion. It's because mentally they cannot handle the warfare of being around people who refuse to see them the way God sees them. And that's the reason why they can't be chosen because they can't handle the pain of rejection. Whoever wants to be in ministry and do anything significant must understand the pain of rejection. The number one reason why pastors, leaders shrink in their call isn't because they're not prepared theologically. It's not because they're not prepared educationally. Even spiritually, they know how to pray. They pray in tongues. They read. They have constant... Uh, quiet time, they, they're consistent. But this is what I've discovered. Until you settle it, that God's favor is not fair, that though He's called others, He's chosen you, though others should have gotten what you got, though others who are better looking, better prepared, you've got to be willing to know, willing to bow, willing to conquer the fight, that it's you that he chose, not them. See, that's not hard here because this is a loving environment. You're in an incubator here. You've got all your little spiritual passes. I'm not feeling good. Right away, five leaders come to you. Oh, let me help you. Okay. <laughs> Things going with your parents. I got in an argument with my dad with my mom, and then five sisters come around you. Oh, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> Not get along with so and so. We do a big counseling session to help you process emotionally how you feel with this. My God, please. In this nice incubator here where the lights are nice and the sound is good, where we all love Jesus. You don't want to hear me. Shut the camera off. You don't want to hear this preacher. Shut the Somebody clap like they're receiving something. Somebody get excited because God's speaking to someone. Come on, Ashley, where are you? Come on, Ashley, where are you? Someone in this place is about to break it. You can't stop me. I do want to be respectful of my time. Because this is my introduction. I haven't even got to point one yet. I don't know how much time you have. 
I do want to stay in order. Do I have 10 more minutes? Thank you. Come on, give it up for Jesus today. Let me have you write this one thing down. Jesus. And we'll continue this conversation. Jesus! When you're targeted to be next, simply write this down. Honor the price you're asked to pay. Just write that down. When you know you are next, please just, just write this down. This is all I'm going to ask you to do. Honor the price you've been asked to pay. Today's altar call is about honoring the price God is asking you to pay. He's asking you to pay a price. He's asking you to pay a price. He's asking you to pay a price. Some of it is with your parents. Some of it, it's, it's with your boyfriend, it's with your girlfriend, it's, it's with what your parents want for you and with what you want and what God wants. It's a price, it's a, it's a price, it's a, it's a price. You love him, but you love Jesus more and you don't know why he doesn't understand. You love her, but she doesn't love Jesus like you do and you don't know why she doesn't understand. You want to marry her. But God's saying, you're not supposed to marry her. She's not the anointed and appointed person. You want to marry him. But Holy Spirit is saying, he is not the anointed and appointed person. Then what do I do? I don't want to be alone. Well, you need to come tomorrow. Because I'm going to talk to you about the five things that happen when you're targeted. To be next. I know what it is to be a now person. I know what it is to be a next person. I'll never forget the day that Israel Houghton, my friend, came to me and said, Sergio, you are next. I said, Israel, he said, no, Sergio, listen. Me and Israel shared stages before. He's been to my church. He's coming to my conference this year. The Heart Revolution with Bishop Jakes and Joel Osteen, these are all my friends, but listen, listen. Before I knew any of those guys, before they knew me, I remember, I'll never forget when Israel Houghton looked at me and said, Serge, you, you're next. So what does that mean? He says, I can't tell you. He says, but you have to honor the price that God's going to ask you to pay. This altar is not for anyone tonight, today. Where you are in that classroom across America, the altar that you're going to go to, whether it's a desk, the floor where you're at, or a literal stage like this, is not for everyone. My God, it is not. But it is for someone who clearly recognizes they've been called, yes, but they want to be chosen. So they're saying, God, I'll honor the price. The price of the oil. You know why God gave the oil to David? It's because his other brothers didn't want the oil. 
They wanted the fame. But who wants the oil? Everyone wants the stage, the position, the lights, the cameras, the titles, the books, the deals. But who wants the oil? Abinadab didn't want the oil. Eliab didn't want the oil. None of the sons of Jesse wanted the oil. God knows who wants the oil. And God says, I can't just pour this oil over any of your sons. I need to pour this oil over the son who wants the oil. Who wants the oil. Who 